Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Amen. Those are Sempich dolls, by the way. They helped us to put that video together. Friends, would you open your, your Bibles to John chapter 16 this morning as we begin our series, Time for Joy. We're looking at John 16 and verses 16 to 24. And as we open the words of Scripture, let's open our hearts as fully as we're able to the Lord by His help. Lord, uh, speak to us and open our hearts by Your Spirit that we would hear not a dead letter on a page, but a living word to bring us to joy, to bring us to life, to bring us to faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. John 16, 16 to 24. Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Very truly, I tell you. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief. But I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. Amen. Time for joy, a joy exercise. A joy exercise. Do you like that word exercise? Do you love exercise? Be honest. Nobody likes exercise. No, you don't like it. You do like it. Okay. Some people do like it, but those people are strange. <laughs> oh, some people do like it, but we love them. We love them. But, uh, you know, I don't know if you like it, you know, I don't really like the, the exercise, but I, I do like how I feel after it, right? And uh, so we do exercise. Abigail and I have gotten into a practice of getting to the gym a few times a week, nothing ridiculous, but we go to the gym and, and uh, work out. And there's a man at the gym that we've uh, lovingly come to refer to as the gagger. <laughs> he, he gets on the treadmill and maybe it's one, I hope it's not someone in the room. <laughs> but, 
but he, he gets on the treadmill and he works himself so hard that he starts to choke. He starts to cough and gag and we think he's going to get sick. He's working so hard on the treadmill and he's got earbuds in so he has no idea that he's, he's making these noises that are filling up the whole gym where most of us are turning and thinking, do we need to help this guy? And we, we wonder, you know, how, why do you do that to yourself? It's torturous what he's doing to himself, but, but it must feel good later, you know? It doesn't feel good now, but it must feel good later. That's exercise. That's what exercise is. Well, what if we had a joy exercise? We're into our uh, Christmas preparation in earnest. 23 days, people. How are you doing? And how are you looking at Christmas this month? You know, every year as this comes around, as we enter this month, as we turn the the loop from Thanksgiving and head into Christmas, does it feel like you're setting your blocks for the annual sprint? Does it feel like you're stealing yourself for the annual run through the Christmas gauntlet and you just hope that you can keep your head down and not do any damage and and, uh, you know that your kids will be all right and your marriage will still be there when you get to the other side? You know, just run through the chute. Well, I thought this year we would, we would take a look at joy together. What does it mean to have a joy exercise? What does it mean to see Christmas as a time for joy? I see this is an exercise. It is an annual exercise. It's, it's not an exercise in consumeristic American family success. See, we all fail at that. But it is an exercise. What if we saw it as a joy exercise? Joy is surprisingly hard to talk about, I think. It's the second fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, and it seems like it's on every other page of the Bible. Joy pops up, but somehow we have a hard time talking about joy. The minute we use the word, we think of all the things that that counter joy. We, we react against it. We get defensive. We self-evaluate and we feel bad about ourselves, guilty that we don't experience or share or display joy in the way that we think we ought. We retaliate inside against joyful people, assuming that they're naive or unthinking to be so joyful. Just saying the word joy can actually make people feel bad. I got an, a, a bulk email for pastors this week encouraging pastors to preach lament at Christmas time. <laughs> well, I get it, I, you know. But here's what, here's what it said. It said, quote, good news of great joy did not remove God's people from the fallen world. And I thought, well, I know. <laughs> you know, I know that. And I think you know that. I don't think you need me to tell you that, that the world has fallen and that things are not as they ought to be and that there are some hard things that we experience in life. Do you need me to tell you that? Do you need me to tell you that? Listen, it's a hard world full of disappointment and pain. I think the harder thing is to remember God's promises in times of struggle, to look with hope to the resolution God has planned and has initiated in His Son, Jesus Christ, to look to that when the world all around you looks a mess. I wrote a book a few years ago called Happy Church. Happy Church. 
It was, it was, I was saying if the world looks at Christians and sees only dour-faced spoil sports, they'll begin to get the wrong idea of the character of the God that we worship. And then, do you know what? They will lose any hope of finding happiness where happiness actually may be found in Jesus Christ. And so I said, hey, let's look at this a little bit differently. But I wrote that book not because joy and happiness are easy. I wrote it because joy is hard. It's a fight. For me personally, it's very hard. It's very hard to to practice and to cultivate joy. I have to fight for joy. I'm not happy by nature. You see, I, I was almost moved to tears as the choir sung again, Rejoice, Emmanuel, you know, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. I've got to stay on track here because I don't have a lot of time. She says, yes, you do. (laughs) I was moved almost to tears. Why? Because I need that command. Rejoice. Latin, it's gaudete. You rejoice. This is a command for you. And I need to be pushed. I need help to cultivate joy. I actually find uh, my, my psychological makeup is more toward the melancholy. If I just put my emotional uh, drive on cruise control, that's where I drift into, into the melancholy and the sad and the, uh, the, the separated and, and the lonesome and these negative thoughts of isolation. That's where I would drift if not pushed to cultivate joy. What is harder, what is the greater challenge, you know, is the righteous call of Christ, I believe, to look up to God in pain and trust that he means what he says when he tells us the birth of Christ is good news of great joy. So let's look at this month as a joy exercise. What would a joy exercise look like. See, I don't think God gave us Christmas as an annual exercise in (laughs) self-recrimination, a regularly scheduled failure. I don't think that's what God meant. God intends for us not to beat ourselves up for for failing to get it right and not feeling the joy in the plastic, shiny, glittery, hubbub, hoo-ha, you know. You know what I'm talking about. God meant to interrupt our lives each year, each year, on a regular rotation with something better, something life-giving, not life-taking. God wants us to receive the gift of his son each year and receive it as joy and exercise in joy. Amen? Jesus talked about joy all the time. In our passage this morning, it comes up four times in eight verses. Notice he he never says there will be no pain. He never says there will be no grief. He never says there will be no suffering or confusion or disappointment. But what he says is that in the middle of all that, he says confidently, he confidently proclaims there will be joy. There will be a time for joy. The disciples were deeply confused by his message. Toward the end of his ministry, Jesus was preparing the disciples for his arrest and crucifixion, death, and resurrection. 
which was all about to unfold. But how do you prepare somebody for that? How could he tell them what was about to happen? Even if Jesus had laid it out for them plainly, they wouldn't have known how to process that information. So Jesus is just working on them. He's working on them to get them ready to experience what they're about to experience. Verse 16. Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you will see me no more. Then after a little while, you will see me. A little while. We might have translated that uh, a little bit, just a little bit. You see, because we use that word while to extend people's expectations. Like when I'm running errands with my kids and they say, how long is this going to take? I say, listen, it's going to take a while. So settle in, right? Mm. But Jesus, uh, he's, he's using a word that, that shortens expectations. It says, just a little bit. In a little bit, you're not going to see me. But then a little bit, you're going to see me again. Just in a little bit, you won't have me here like you have me right here. But then, but then pretty soon, I'll be with you. And you'll see me again after you never thought you'd see me again. Verse 18, see the disciples, they didn't understand. I love verse 18. They kept asking, look at this. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. I love that. It's almost like in a play when one of the players just turns to the audience and says, now let me, tell, let me fill you in. We're the disciples. We don't understand what he's saying. <laughs> we don't get it. Amen. Do you ever not understand? Do you ever not get it? It's okay. The disciples, Jesus' closest friends, they didn't fully get it. They didn't fully understand you ever not understand? Hang on. You know, even if you love the Lord, even if you've had, even if you know the Lord, you, you've given your life to him, he owns you, he's your master, he's your Lord and Savior, even if you've had times in your life when you're walking with Jesus like a best friend, hand in hand, day after day, you're walking in perfect intimacy and friendship, the Spirit of God is hovering over you like a dove. If you've had those times, friends, it, it isn't always like that. And when Jesus obscures himself, and when we can't see him, we don't understand. I don't understand. But God uses those moments to strengthen and mature us as we carry on toward what we know by faith. The disciples did not understand. So Jesus introduces a joy exercise. Verse 20. Very truly, I will tell you, there is no question about it. Truly, truly, as real as anything that exists, I'm telling you the truth. You will weep and you will mourn while the world rejoices. They'll love it. You'll hate it. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to Joy, thank you. The very thing, your grief will turn to joy. Now what is this? It's his death and his resurrection that he's talking about here. Jesus, he, he says, 
There's something in the power of my death and resurrection. There's something coming that the most real thing that you could feel of grief, of mourning, of weeping, of where you're, the world loves it and you hate it and, and you're, you're in this pain, this very thing will turn to joy because of the power of my death and my resurrection. Jesus compares it to childbirth. Verse 21, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. I asked my wife Abigail when she was pregnant with our, our third child, and I said, does it really hurt that bad? It's a perfectly natural process, isn't it? This did not advance my marriage. (laughs) Apparently it hurts. But there's joy on the other side. Amen? Yeah, there's joy on the other side. Let's get back to the text. So Jesus says, listen, there's pain and then... And then it, it turns. So verse 22, so now with you, now is your time of grief, but I, I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. After the death comes the resurrection and then it will be time for joy again. This is a joy exercise. Can you keep your eye on joy even in the pain? Can you keep your heart set on the joy to come even in the grief of the present moment? It isn't that the pain is fake or that the grief is unreal, but the joy exercise is to see with hope past or through or above or beyond the the very real grief and pain and look into the fulfillment of the promise of what God is doing in Jesus Christ. This is the joy exercise, a strengthening, a cultivation. Jesus says, and then you won't ask me any more questions. And then all your questions will be answered. You'll know. Verse 24, ask and you will receive and your joy will be what? Complete, he says. Listen to that. Listen to that promise. Not, not your joy will be 99% there. Not your joy will be 99.9% there. Your joy will be complete, says Jesus Christ, says God. That's out there. Jesus is setting up his disciples to walk through a hard time. But he wants them to walk through hard times with the light of his joy ever before them, you see. And if you've you've forgotten that light, if you've come this morning into church and you've forgotten that joy, if you've lost track of that promise from God of complete and full and utter joy, Well, that's what Christmas is all about. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Let's remind each other. Let's wrap each other up. Let's hold each other, you know, an arm around the shoulder. A little bit of a gift, a little bit of a card, a little bit of encouragement. 
Remember there is joy. Remember there is a fulfillment of the promise in the hope that is to come in Jesus Christ. Let's not forget the light of Christ before us. Remember again and help each other to see. There's a red tractor uh, pulling a, a tree across a frozen field. Now look at it with me, would you, on your bulletins? See, he's in there, he's, he's working that, that tractor. And I don't know how far he has to go. I don't know what's in, ahead of him, how far this field is or where he's going, but I can kind of see, um, he, he believes. He believes the birth of Jesus is something to celebrate. He believes there will be a time for joy. The ground around him is all frozen. It's all frozen solid and the wheat can't grow. It's frozen in ice. The seeds are, they're asleep under the ground. The plow can't penetrate that frozen. So it isn't time for, for any of that. It isn't time for that. But he's got this Christmas tree that he's dragging in. Another pagan symbol. I know, I know. I mean, we're not druids. But the tree, it symbolizes the eternal life of Christ, whose life and whose purposes never come to an end. And he's dragging it, he's dragging it, he's, he's going to carry it home, and he's going to drag it up the stairs, and he's going to sort of set it up. Maybe he's bringing it to his wife, maybe he's bringing it to an empty house, maybe to kids, I don't know. But he's going to bring that thing to his house, he's going to drag it up the stairs, he's going to sort of prop it up in the corner of the room, he's going to decorate it with lights and, 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 and little, little pretty things, and it's an exercise in joy. It's cold right now. It's lifeless right now. There's nothing growing. There's no beauty around. But, but he can taste Christmas is coming. And it is a time for joy. In a bit, Jesus says, you're not going to see me. You won't see me. It may be a hard time. It may be the hardest time of your life. And I'll be, you won't see me for a little while. I mean, I always want to know how long <laughs> when we're going through these things. Lord, well, how long? How long is a little while? What do you mean? I'd like to know how long. We don't know. But a little while, you won't see me. And then in a little while, I'll be there. And you'll see me face to face. And then you'll have joy and you'll rejoice. Verse 22, and no one will take away your joy, this kind of joy, Jesus says, it can't be taken from you. Why? Because it's solid. It's not built on flimsy, superficial plastic and glitter hoo-ha, okay? It's built and constructed and reliant upon Christ himself and his work accomplished. And no one can take that away from you. Amen. Now, for your part, you can lose it, you can neglect it, you can squander it, you can forget it, but Jesus says, this joy I give to you. No one can take it away, and you can rest in it, and you can rely on it. Can you hold on through the dark into the daylight? Can you walk through the valley into the rise on the other side? Friends, listen to me now. 
there are thresholds through which every one of us must pass to enter the next joy. But Christ says, carry on and look to joy and walk through the hard times with my light ever before you. Let's try a joy exercise. I heard a story on the radio of a smiling exercise. There are psychological studies that that back this up. This guy actually said on the radio, are you having a hard time smiling? Are you having a hard time uh, as you go into the holidays? He said, here's a smiling exercise. Take a pencil and and bite it. (laughs) Bite a pencil. And, And it forces your face into the posture of smiling. There's science to back this up, people. There you go. Thank you. Everybody bite the pencil. No, the ushers don't want you to do it. And, and, and he said, bite the pencil and try to think negative thoughts. You can't. You can't. Because your face is already stuck in a position. I think that's so funny. And there's, there's science to back this up. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? Just make sure the pencil's sideways. Don't put it in. Or, or it really will do the opposite. A smiling exercise. Well, friends, let's try a joy exercise together. Let's encourage one another in a joy exercise. And let me make one more point before I step aside here. Friends, this is not based on you. This is something God is doing and you receive. We'll say more about this as we go on. It is not based on you or on your performance. It is not dependent on you getting it right. Look at this. Jesus says, in a little bit, you won't see me. You won't see me, he says at the beginning of this passage. You won't see me. But look very carefully at verse 22 with me. He doesn't actually say then. He doesn't say in that verse, then you'll see me, although he said that earlier. In verse 22, he says this. Look carefully with me. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. I will see you, says Jesus. Friends, Jesus will not lose track of you even when you lose track of Jesus. He never loses sight of where you are. He will not forget you in your pain. Jesus' departure to heaven is not an abandonment. And when he seems obscure from you, he has not and will not abandon you. He is with you and he sees you even when he's absent. Jesus says, I will see you and your joy will be complete and that joy no one can take away. Amen? So we come to the table again today. In a few moments we'll come. The table, friends, is, is a place where we receive. Let's taste what the Lord has done for us. Let's open our mouths to to the savory fare of the kingdom that is coming in Christ. Let's taste of the promise again. Let's find joy over the grief beyond it and past it because Jesus will never lose track of you. We don't preach the absence of wounds, friends. We preach the presence of a healer and we receive from him. We receive from him. Let's go into a joy exercise this month and receive and trust what the Lord has done. Be fed 
be encouraged, and be strengthened in joy. Hallelujah. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.